0: Hey guys, do you have a screenplay you need feedback on? Well, you are in luck. I, Julio, the half of the Contrarians that speaks with an accent, I'm doing official screenplay coverage now, and if you're a listener of the show, you'll get a discount. Just email wearthecontrarians at gmail.com and tell us which is your favorite episode of the podcast and why. Turn around, it's about two weeks, and you'll get detailed notes that are even more thorough than what we do in the show, although it'll also be less funny. For more information, email wearethecontrarians at gmail.com or visit our website, wearethecontrarians.com and click on the Julio Reads Your Scripts link.
1: Your voice is beautiful.
0: <laughs> Need a hand? Come on, get up. Oh, I'm so pretty. I'm going to hit you so hard. Your children will be born bruised. Get up. p p p
1: You can't hurt me. Welcome to the contrarians, where we're right and you're wrong. Be sure to check out The Contrarians on iTunes, where you can rate, review, and subscribe. We're also on SoundCloud, and don't forget about our main website, wearethecontrarians.com. Be sure to keep up with the pretentious ramblings of Alex and Julio on Twitter, at JamesAlexMattis, and at Ovnio. That's O-V-N-I-O. Time for the podcast. Welcome back to the Contrarians, where we're right and you are wrong. My name is Alex, and I am joined, as always, uh, having a hard time getting up for this here. But uh, joined, as always, by Julio, <laughs> you're my, my buddy. No. Uh, we just went to war together. We we were on the battlefield for this, the entirety of this 1995 um, tale of uh, female oppression, but also. Uh, feminism and rising above
0: girl power i think that that's that that really sums it up
1: uh as we've highly publicized both here on the podcast and on our twitter accounts today we're visiting tank girl from 1995 as i mentioned starring the incomparable Lori petty uh directed by rachel Talele, uh, talale uh to excuse me um it could be either one i don't fucking know uh but like i was saying it's a shame we i didn't realize this was a female director we could have added this to our female story arc
0: I'm kind of glad that we didn't, though, because it really, it would have been too much, even though they're completely different movies, on the surface, it would have looked a little too much like uh, Influx. That's Uh, true. So I'm glad that we gave it some time. We gave it the cool-down period. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm.
1: Uh, Standing at 38%, uh, surprising for a myriad of reasons uh, that it would be that low uh, or that high, depending on your position on the film. So, Julio, let's start off with uh, the critics and those who didn't like it.
0: Alright. Uh, there's not 95. That means that Rotten Tomatoes was just becoming the empire mm-hmm. that it is now. So there's less reviews than than before. Uh, or th- less reviews than we have now yeah. for, for this kind of movie. Uh, but there's still a few quotes that I could rescue from the wreckage. Uh, Owen Gleberman from Entertainment Weekly says an aspiring cult film that would rather be cute than dangerous. Felix Vasquez Jr. from Cinema Crazed Says, unfunny, often painfully boring, and so blatantly low budget and poorly constructed. Matt Brunson. Rude. I know. It's like, do you have anything against uh, women being empowered? I think you do. Uh, Matt Brunson from Creative Loafing says Rachel Talele's hyper direction and Lori Petty's hyper performance result in migraines. You also get. Oh, here it is. You also get an unrecognizable Ice-T as the most antagonistic of the Rippers, and Iggy Pop in a fleeting cameo as a pervert. There we go. Yeah, Alex recognized Ice-T's voice during the movie. I didn't.
1: And Iggy Pop's worn-out face.
0: (laughs) And then finally, Mike McGranahan from Isle Seat simply says, Ugh.
1: Well said. Well said, Mike.
0: We like (laughs) a man that's... uh, Just concise, to the point. To the point. We We may not agree with you, but I respect that.
1: No need for all the fluff. Yeah. Uh, So the year is 2033, and 11 years prior, in the year 2022, uh, a comet hit the Earth and essentially wiped out all the water on the planet. And also left planet Earth uh, kind of a, wouldn't even call it a dystopian wasteland, but basically the human race had to pick up the scraps and the wreckage and move on from there. It was seemingly anarchy.
0: Right. And, and, you know, as it starts, you may be tempted to just generalize and say, okay, this is your average post-apocalyptic landscape. Deserts, lots of sand, people dressed like the Tusken Raiders from Star Wars. You know, you could think that this is just the next entry in the Mad Max universe I was
1: about to say right away you can see a lot of Fury Road influence from this movie yeah that I'm sorry that this movie that Fury Road took from Tank Girl
0: right and the Fury Road of course its biggest claim is that oh we made Charlie tear in a badass mm-hmm. and how cool is that and how nobody had thought about it before wrong yeah 1995 <laughs> we had Laurie Petty being a badass and she didn't even need Tom Hardy to be next to her no so She didn't uh,
1: need a man to hold her hand through this.
0: No, not at all. She she After the first shot, I mean, we just start with a voiceover that tells you this is not Mad Max. He's... This is a youthful, playful woman that hasn't lost her sense of wonder, mm-hmm. uh, her sense of uh, mischief, even though the world has gone to hell. And, and that's refreshing because usually when you see a, a world that looks like the one that the movie portrays, you just think, okay, I'm in for a rough time.
1: Yeah. And right off the bat, I mean, we should go ahead and address this. Throughout the film, there's a lot of uh, transitional animations. We get a lot of um, columns and uh, – fuck, what are, they, what are they called in comics? Panels. We get a lot of panels. I'm not sure if it's from the original comic, the Tank Girl uh, comic itself. I'm not overly familiar with uh, that series. But we do get a lot of animation. I likened it to the transitions to the video game for Sega Genesis uh, comic zone. Um just refreshing and something we don't even see enough of of this 22 23 years later.
0: Yeah, I think uh the last time I saw something like that was in uh way back in our first year when we did the the natural born killers episode and mm-hmm. you had that Mickey scape.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, now that one that one divided us, but yes. it, here I think we're together in our appreciation for what Tang Girl was doing and I think it's because as great as Lori Petty is, and she's great, and everybody in the cast is great, full of energy and everything, there is just sometimes you need to kick it to 11, yeah. and you can only do that with animation. Yeah. There's some crazy stuff that happens that you just can't do, or at least they couldn't do back then on the budget that they had. Mm-hmm. So I I appreciate the ingenuity of just saying, well, we'll just draw it.
1: And there's a couple uh, segments of the film where we get extended animated sequences as like well. Like little
0: shorts, mm-hmm. basically.
1: Uh in this new era of the Earth, uh, W and P is the evil driving force—the water and power. Uh, they're basically, you know, um, the the Sith. They are the the Empire for all Alex, intents and let's purposes. Let's call it
0: what it is. Because the head of uh, of uh, this evil corporation is Malcolm McDowell and uh, playing Kesley. Playing Donald Trump. Yes. But, I mean, there is no there's no it's way around it. It's all white men. Yeah, <laughs> it's all white men. He treats women like garbage and. He, even though he's super powerful, he's also ultimately kind of dumb. Mm-hmm. I it's almost like the filmmakers had a glimpse of the future back in '95. They there was a window that opened. They had a feverish uh, nightmare that gave them a glimpse of 2018, and they just like wrote it down like real fast. <laughs> Women will be oppressed, <laughs> and and uh, we will need somebody to, to rally the forces.
1: Difference here being is Sir Malcolm McDowell stays in his lane, and he doesn't try to overachieve, and, you know, he's malicious in his intent, um, or his approach, but all he wants is just to control, have full control of the water.
0: Well, I mean, you know, that is, uh, uh, for for the setting of the movie, that is ambitious enough, mm-hmm. I think.
1: I'm just saying, as dangerous as Kessley is, he's nowhere near as dangerous as... Uh,
0: well, it was 95. He, he even, we couldn't <laughs>
1: foresee the exactly. long-lasting impact of this and um, the danger at hand.
0: McDowell thought that he was just overplaying it. <laughs> he was like, are you sure this is realistic, guys?
1: Trust me. 23 years from now. 22 years. 21. Jesus. It's been we've 18 months that man has been around. Um we learned that Rebecca Buck is the name of Lori Petty, who eventually and affectionately becomes known as Tank Girl. Uh, she lives at a commune, which, from what I gathered, has the last free source of water.
0: Well, they're kind of stealing it.
1: Yeah. They're basically siphoning it off, and they have their own water pump. Uh, it's basically just a hippie commune. Let's call let's call a spade a spade here on what this is. Uh, kids running around free and playing, and we are introduced to her boyfriend, uh, who we get to spend half a scene with and then he's gunned down in the next scene.
0: I, I think it's a credit to that guy's performance that, that it still hurts when he <laughs> dies.
1: Uh what happens here is W and P gets wind of uh the siphoning of the water. They come in, uh, Lori Petty's supposed to be on lookout and she gets distracted. I, I believe she thinks her boyfriend is approaching.
0: Right. And she like, leaves him a uh a, a pair of boots that's right with that with a kinky note. And then when she hears boots approaching, she, she assumes She him. thinks
1: it's like foreplay time. Yeah, yeah.
0: I mean, nothing wrong
1: with that. We've all been in situations like that in the trenches and, you know, just thinking that it's time. Uh, and then, no, it's time to, to... And there's a gun pointed at you. <laughs> yeah. You're all turned around, topsy-turvy. Uh, so WMP just basically wipes out this entire commune, uh, kills her boyfriend, kills her... Um, what was it? like It wasn't a boar, but it was like a longhorn or something.
0: It was some sort of... Uh futuristic animal, kind of like a cow but or a buffalo. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's, it's what she was writing at the beginning, where she was wearing a mask and the the animal was wearing a mask. Yeah. Um, I think uh, this is, I mean, we're like maybe 10 minutes into the movie and we've already gone through like a lot of emotions. Oh,
1: yeah. We've, we've gone through the gambit here.
0: And uh, I, I think it, it's appropriate to just talk a little bit about Laurie Petty and her performance and really what it is because I – and this is good, but she's basically uh, a female live-action Bugs Bunny <laughs> in that she, the way she delivers her lines, mm-hmm. uh, the way her physicality, the way she reacts to every possible danger, uh, the way she gets away from danger, how she survives, all this. This is a Bugs Bunny cartoon yeah. made flesh.
1: And she tricks... Uh a lot of these bad guys into their own demise right
0: she's just like what's up doc and then she makes him uh light up a uh a stick of dynamite instead of a A a cigar cigar. it's just that kind of thing where she only here it's a little because it's it's live action Mm -hmm. and because obviously this is far more serious than anything Bugs Bunny ever faced she she goes a little further she's like breaking necks and
1: uh and Lori Petty here I mean let's be truthful I mean we're both men I mean She's as attractive as when Bugs Bunny dressed up as a female bunny.
0: That is a where like you know every every time she she walks past like one of the male bad guys. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was just saying one of the bad guys because they're all. They,
1: oh yes, yeah. uh, their their Men eyes. Are bad.
0: Yeah, their eyes do the cartoon thing where they're like. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs>
1: and little hearts, and they start to fly at the the smell of her perfume.
0: Yeah, she uh she looks. I wrote in my notes because I've never I wasn't familiar with Lori Petty really, mm-hmm. uh, but I wrote she she looks. I think that she inspired Gwen Stefani, Gwen oh, Stefani's look, undoubtedly. You know, I Gwen Stefani should have named her bank, her band Tangirl Girl and the Boys. <laughs> <laughs> should be Tangirl Girl and the Kangaroos.
1: During the siege of the commune, they also kidnap uh, Sam, who is a little girl that we were introduced to briefly in the the opening scene. Um, main thing of relevance is you can tell that her and Rebecca have a really close relationship. And so at this point, you know, in a Mad Max type of affair, all is gone. Uh, Tank Girl has no choice but to fight back at this point. She's taken captive, but, you know, they've taken from her everything that she loves and holds dear, so she's going to find a way to get her revenge in this life or the next.
0: Yeah, you're like, we've just gotten to know all the hippies, Mm -hmm. and they're gone. And that's because when death comes for you, it comes fast. It doesn't give you a whole act of development.
1: No. It's, you know, Wes Craven. He he took this in the following year from Scream. He was just like, holy shit. You know, Tank Girl and Talale, they just hit me so fast. I need to make sure that, you know, I get this and I get the credit for it. And he did because he's a man.
0: <laughs> he finished reading. He finished watching Tank Girl and got on the phone and called Drew Barrymore. <laughs> so a few changes.
1: All right. Hear me out. <laughs> um. Throughout the first act, we learn that Kesley, Malcolm McDowell's method of killing, is he has this little device that he stabs in the back of his uh, enemies, or his victims, as it were, that somehow extracts the water supply from the human body. It's actually pretty cool. It's a really evil, bad guy type of uh, device, but as an audience member, it's kind of a cool thing to watch.
0: Yeah, he's uh, he gets a pretty awesome, lengthy introduction, actually, that culminates with him using this device, mm-hmm. but... You know, his bad guys are giving him a report. They, 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 his second-in-command are giving him a report, and he's not happy with it. So he smashes. First, it starts with him smashing, uh, I guess, the the panels, the windows there. So there's a lot of glass mm-hmm. on the on the floor. And then it ends with him. He basically tortures the second-in-command, makes him walk barefoot over the glass, mm-hmm. and then stabs him with this device and then drinks the water that was extracted purified. from uh, purified. Mm-hmm. Uh pretty unforgettable. Yeah. That's McDowell saying, I will not uh I will not be overshadowed by Lori Petty's it was the amazing year of, performance. It was
1: the year of water filtration, because didn't Waterworld come out in nineteen ninety five also?
0: Yeah, that's it was like the complete opposite then. All the water that they are missing and Tangirl just went over to Kevin Costner's movie and <laughs> <in> Waterworld.
1: <laughs> Maybe they're like from the same universe just in far different periods of time it's
0: the dark side of the earth Mm -hmm. Uh, water world got all the water and uh tank girl got malcolm mcdowell
1: it's the flat earth thing the comet just kind of knocked it off (laughs) its tilt and all the water drained down rebecca is enslaved to help out with WNP. uh kesley is you know intent on breaking her spirit making her part of his army uh we're introduced to a young svelte Naomi Watts, who outside of Jet Girl, did she have a name? I don't know if I caught it.
0: Uh, But they didn't call her Jet Girl. She's just Jet.
1: That's right, because much like Lori Petty has an affinity for tanks, you guessed it. Naomi Watts has an affinity for jets. Uh, What we see of her is a young, timid girl who just does a lot of mechanical work on site. Uh, Yes, doesn't talk back, that type of thing. It appears as though that is eventually where they want Lori Petty's character to go. They want uh Rebecca to be a glad handed yes woman
0: right uh it's uh i i really appreciated also Nami Watts, I guess in what was his her debut mm-hmm. in American cinema she is a uh, I've never seen her as a brunette before it agrees with her mm-hmm. uh the brunette hair, the glasses, and just the counterbalance a young Lee
1: Schreiber went ooh
0: <laughs> wrote down Tanger on her list of uh <laughs> Movies to buy when they come out on uh, DVD, VHS, probably back then.
1: Oh, laser, laser disc may have been on its way out, but.
0: Well, I mean, what do you think, Liv Schreiber was using back then? He was like, oh, top the leaves. Yeah.
1: Well, he had just uh, he was riding hot off the heels of Mixed Nuts, so. So
0: he was. He actually got a film projector. Yeah, in his I was room. gonna
1: say he had a thirty-five millimeter installed <laughs> in his mansion.
0: It's to do list, like buy tongue girl print, <laughs> uh, but yeah, she's she's great because she. She's the complete opposite of Lori Petty, and and once the movie gets them together, it's uh, it's pretty awesome. Also, you got the remake.
1: visual of it right—the yin and yang. Oh
0: yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, but, but Alex, I've been watching movies for a while. Okay, I mean, that's uh, uh, I can understand how for people to don't watch as many movies as we do, mm-hmm. it, it would have taken longer in the movie to realize that. Uh, well,
1: even you know, with our pompous attitude about our you know. Ability to put on our film critiquing hat. I mean, this is still a movie that requires multiple watches to get all of the overtones and themes.
0: Well, because there's so much going on at all times. Uh, uh, that's a shoot. That's that guy that was complaining about the hyperactive direction, the hyperactive acting. It's mm-hmm. that just sounds like a lazy person to me. Somebody doesn't want to put in the work when they're watching a movie. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, there's. Uh, I really like just as memorable as uh, McDowell's introduction as a villain is the moment that. Uh, Tank Girl and Jet Girl basically meet. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's... Uh, there's one other character that's part of this. Uh, the guy that we dubbed, uh, I, I, I guess he was like... I thought he looked a little bit like Kevin Bacon, but really he looks more like John Travolta. Yeah. It's kind of like a mix of the two of them.
1: He's basically the number one, or the number two. or Right, the guy I mean.
0: that got promoted when the other guy got killed. Yes. Uh, and so he is 100% trying to rape uh, Naomi Watts.
1: Yes, very uncomfortable. Yes,
0: which... I really like that this movie, that's something I appreciate, not just about the tone of the performances, but also the the comic book, intermissions and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. It's like they put you at ease, letting you know that, hey, this is all fun and games, don't worry, nothing too horrible is going to happen. But then at the same time, it allows the movie to pull the rug from under you mm-hmm. and let some things that are almost as You can't get as... too comfortable. Exactly. So, you know, you're like, there's no way that anybody's actually going to get sexually abused in this movie but a lot of people get killed.
1: Mm -hmm. A lot of people.
0: So I like that, that the movie kept you on my toes. Mm -hmm. But, but so yeah, this guy, bad Travolta is, is, is harassing, uh, Naomi Watts. And suddenly Lori Petty gets in between them and kisses her. Yeah. And the power of a female on female kiss is enough to just scare away bad Travolta. Yeah. That, I mean, if that doesn't say we women need to stick together, I don't know what does. (laughs)
1: She implies or she says, Hey, quit bothering my girlfriend, and he just, you know, he has no answer for it, no retort. So he, Yeah, I
0: think he actually goes like, ooh yeah. and then walks away.
1: He scurries away. Uh in a blue velvet esque scene, we get Lori Petty straddling a tank for the first time, and uh basically we learn that tanks mean a lot to her. Not much <laughs> else to say.
0: <laughs> yeah, she uh that's Moving on. That's when, the, sha- on. <laughs> <laughs> That's when the, the Shaft theme comes on. That's right, yes. Yeah.
1: The theme from Shaft plays as she straddles the, the barrel of the... We,
0: we couldn't believe what was happening, so it took us both a few seconds to realize that that was the Shaft theme.
1: Yes. Which, after we're done here, I'm, I'm going to listen to the Shaft theme before I go to bed. Well,
0: while you play with your, My your tank, tanks. Yeah.
1: <laughs> um, essentially, from this point on, it's just a an elongated torture scene that would make uh, James one come in his pants in terms of uh, Malcolm McDowell just wants to break Lori Petty, uh, her her spirit. So he tries freezing her and starving her, uh, beating her up, beating her up, just straight up. And then eventually, um, which is a device that would, I could definitely say I was getting claustrophobic watching it. It's this long pipe that's angled slightly and it gets narrow, more and more narrow. The further you go down, uh, and that's basically eventually what he believes breaks her. But, man, it's fucking awful. She goes down this pipe, but she's going head first. So when she gets stuck, all the blood rushes to her head. It looks very uncomfortable. Very right. well shot.
0: But now, as we were describing it, if you haven't seen the movie, you are picturing this just horrible like 007 torture. You know, uh-huh. like 007 where like Pierce Brosnan gets captured and they like torture him.
1: Oh, I was thinking of um, the one with... Uh, Dana Craig
0: where they're like, where he's hitting he's naked and, <laughs> yeah, they
1: have the big rope. Oof.
0: It's a mix of both. Yeah. Uh, because the thing is... Lori Petty doesn't break. I mean, she she has a smart-ass remark for every single thing. That it's like
1: Street Fighter when they're whipping E. Honda and he just no-sells the entire thing.
0: Also, 95 classic, I think. 94. 94? Yeah. I know I watched it right after watching Forrest Gump. But yeah, so this is, I think that at this point, even somebody that's that's wasn't catching on, by now it's just 100% clear. You know, you have the white, rich man in power trying to break down the rebellious...
1: The Spunky indomitable girl. spirit of the female. Exactly.
0: And he doesn't. It, it's just so inspirational. It's it's a message that I think needed to be delivered in 95. It certainly needs to be delivered today.
1: Unfortunately, we need a refresher today.
0: Yeah. yeah. It's like, where is a 10-girl remake? Because mm-hmm. really, who would you cast a 10-girl now? I mean, who can match Laurie Petty as far as Jennifer Lawrence?
1: Fuck off. <laughs> um shit i don't know think
0: about it we'll we'll, we'll get to it by the end of yeah. contrarian's corner i think okay uh i mean it, it would probably have to be alec baldwin as the mcdowell <laughs> character
1: <laughs> and tr- actual travolta as not travolta yes um with rebecca finally caving in uh she her body basically shuts down on her and while she's unconscious uh uh kesley basically implants a bunch of homing devices and tracking devices on her. And what he's going to use her for is to track down uh, the Rippers. The Rippers are this group we're introduced to in the very first scene of the film. Basically, we just get a very brief synopsis and what they are. We don't know if they're vampires, but we know they're basically vicious animals that rip apart people.
0: Yeah, so they're like the third faction. You have the hippies, you have the the big bad guys mm-hmm. uh, led by McDowell, and then you have this sort of boogeyman mm-hmm. that nobody has ever really seen yeah. because nobody survived an encounter with them.
1: Exactly, like the Kraken. Uh, what this leads to is a big, long shootout in which uh, Jet and Tank Girl are able to escape, and this is where we get, I think, our longest cartoon sequence of the film, um, basically the trials and tribulations of their escape.
0: Right, it's it's when Tank Girl finally gets her tank.
1: That's right. In full command, uh, she gets the bypass code and all that. She's twirling the uh, gun uh, mounted on top, and I believe doesn't she clock Naomi Watts in the head with it?
0: Yes. Yeah. Uh, she she clocks her in live action, and then when we go to the cartoon, you are allowed to really see. In cartoon, mm-hmm. you know, if you saw this in live action, it would be a little too upsetting. That's right. But her, as a, her face
1: is all fucked up. Right, as yeah. a
0: cartoon you can just take that. Oh man, that that really looks like she got hit in the in the mm-hmm. face with a with a barrel. Um this is also the scene where uh where I thought that we had lost McDowell from the movie.
1: Yeah, uh, a big explosion goes off and Malcolm McDowell's arm we find it, but we don't know where the hell Malcolm McDowell is.
0: Yeah, I I wrote in my notes did they just psycho McDowell like, <laughs>
1: He was gone.
0: Yeah, I thought that maybe uh, yeah, that was the time where uh, evil Travolta was going to take over as the main bad guy in the movie.
1: Take his rightful spot at the, yep. the top. Uh, but, you know, there's a good teaser in terms of we know Mac- McDowell's going to be back because she finds his arm and says, I wonder where the rest of you is. Right. We find ourselves at a thrift store of sorts with Tank and Jet Girl uh, just rummaging through basically local goods. And she finds a Doris Day... Um, mount basically a a sculpted head of doris day the significance of this being uh at the beginning of the movie she sam the aforementioned little girl she was basically commissioning her to make this and so she knows that she was there or their things were taken captive and the owner of the pawn shop or whatever it is a thrift market i couldn't really determine it at gunpoint explains, you know, oh, there was these little girls and this is where they went, yada, yada, yada. You can stay here and soup up your ride if you need to. Were
0: you disappointed that th- this character didn't turn out to be just a member of the cast for the rest of the movie? Because I thought that we were getting introduced to basically a third, a third member of their group. That this, this...
1: Or a member of a B-52s cover band.
0: Well, she could be both. That's true. Uh, so now that I know that this is uh, uh, just a one scene cameo, this is would be like the, this would be like the Kristen Wiig cameo in mm-hmm. the in the remake. Yeah, because this is also a character that comes out. She doesn't take the spotlight from Tan Girl, but she's definitely way out there compared to let's say Naomi Watts. Yeah, right. She's all quirky and she's been doing like a lot of stuff. And this is also the scene where it's revealed that Naomi Watts is a device that allows her to tell when somebody's lying,
1: which does not come back into play at all. But I completely understand because well, it's to keep you on your toes. You don't know what's coming at you.
0: Right, but also I think that it's very clearly established that well men always lie mm-hmm. and they're always going up against men. So why would you even need it? <laughs> yeah. If a man's speaking, then you know he's lying.
1: So both Rebecca and Jet fix up their respective rides uh, at this Hardware store, thrift shop, whatever it is. It seems to have everything.
0: It's the lows of the future.
1: There you go. And so the tank is souped up. The jet has a new coat of paint on it. Looks fly as hell. Uh, They go to a brothel, as I believe they got word, that's where Sam can be found, where they were taking uh, the young girl. Uh, Basically a futuristic brothel. Looks like a scene out of Southland Tales uh, in that there's a lot of... They're not clones, but all the women are made to look exactly the same and a lot of old dudes there just fondling them and...
0: Yeah, there's a. I guess there's sort of like a dressing room that will custom-create clothes Teaches for you. Teaches you how to dress. Yeah, does your makeup and everything, and, uh, and Tan Girl goes through it and comes mm-hmm. out. This is the one time where they actually explain where her new appearance comes out, because between scenes, she keeps changing clothes.
1: I think she has at least a dozen costume changes throughout the movie, she's wearing, in true Gwen Stefani fashion. Yes,
0: she's wearing 12 T-shirts, and she just keeps start taking one off and just moving on to the next one.
1: Uh, This is where we get our Iggy Pop cameo. He is the lecherous man that's trying to, uh, he's trying to uh, pay for the services of the little girl. Uh, You know, an Iggy Pop looking as gnarly as ever, Uh, and you know this back. Very disturbing
0: that he doesn't look out of place in.
1: uh Not at all, in the situation, he's not at all out of place. Um, Looks wise. Now, as he's attempting to grope this girl and, you know, have his way, she uh, – a gift that was exchanged between her and Rebecca at the beginning was basically uh, – it's not a bomb, but it's this ball. It's kind of like a porcupine type effect Uh that Iggy Pop grabs it from her, and when she claps, these blades shoot out of it and go through his hand. It's actually pretty cool and also a, an excellent moment of vindication, not just for Sam, but for, you know, any girl that's been in a situation like that before.
0: A 10-year-old defeating a creepy old guy. Mm-hmm. thats That was amazing. It could be the high point of the movie, if not for the fact that this movie is just basically made of high points. And then we go
1: into a musical number uh, set to the tune of Let's Fall in Love, and it looks like everything's going to be good. It looks like we're wrapping up the film here, in fact, and we're going to rescue uh, Sam and be on our way. Uh, it is not to be, though, as WMP... Uh, I guess, were they monitoring the facility?
0: Yeah, I, I think... It, they never say it out loud, but... They've been aware of everything the entire time because I think that uh, the entire movie, from the moment that Tang Girl escapes until she returns at the end, uh, was was a big ploy on the uh, on the part of McDowell. Mm-hmm. Actually, they do say it. I just remember that he actually explains his plan at the very end, in classic <laughs> bad guy fashion, uh, because he wants to get her to. Bring the rippers to him. Mm-hmm. So he's monitoring her the entire time. Yeah, uh, he has a TV where it looks like he's watching a DVD of the movie. Yes, uh, it's blocked exactly the same way as as the movie is blocked.
1: And also, she never addresses it at any point. It, it it honestly just could have slipped her mind. But as an audience member, you know, you remind yourself, yeah, he wired her to basically just be a move, a walking, talking, you know, recording device of everything and uh, tracking device. Um, so after this whole kerfuffle is finished. They head out into the desert, and they fall trapped to one of these... Um, uh, it's basically a booby trap that's set by the Rippers. And we meet the Rippers, and they're basically hybrids of kangaroos, dogs, and people. And Ice-T is one of them. And there's one that plays a the saxophone. There's there's a lot that happens uh, in this, I would say, generous 25-minute sequence of the film.
0: It's, it's an acid trip of kangaroo proportions. I there's there's the highlights to me as one all the kangaroos are male right and the movie very quickly mentions it shows you that even even the kangaroos are not above uh sexual harassment mm-hmm. it basically one of them is like let's hump them like they, they have them captured and yeah. they're kind of like drugged up they're giving them oxygen or something to keep them calm
1: nitrous oxide they're trying to get them high to yeah. admit they they think they're working for w and p so they're trying to figure out the fuck they're doing there
0: right and then uh and then they're like well they don't know anything let's kill them and then one of the guys is one of the kangaroos is like no let's hump them mm-hmm. it, that's it's almost like a throwaway line because right now you're just almost desensitized uh because basically every single male that they encounter in this movie is trying to take advantage of them. And, and but now it's like even the kangaroos do it. Yeah. Number two, yeah, we had Ic and the jazz playing. Uh, what was his name? Reggie, Kathy, I think, like the main guy. Yes. Uh, so they got like real. Roo. <laughs> they got real actors to play this because yeah, you need somebody that can act over all these layers of makeup. These these are not cartoons. They're actually. You know they're not in or anything they're actors with with makeup on,
1: yeah, like that's fucking like four hours of makeup chair makeup,
0: so they need to make the most of it, apparently, and uh number three, even though okay, so they're they're men, eventually we spend enough time with them that you can see the layers mm-hmm. in each character, so you know you have the guy that likes jazz, you have the guy that actually says that he's not really a kangaroo, he was a dog and got upgraded. Yeah, and so he's the one that's the most innocent out of them. How did he learn to talk? Oh, well, genetic mutations. I guess you know, it's just you know, it's the future.
1: But we go through all this. They break bread together. They dance together. There's implied sexual activity between Booga, who is the the dog that was upgraded, and uh, Rebecca. Um, they dance. They dance. They yeah. they
0: pray by dancing.
1: That's right. It all comes to a head with the Rippers agreeing that Jet and Rebecca will help them take down W and P. Um, So they go to infiltrate WMP and do so fairly successfully. Their original mission is a botch. They try to take uh, a shipment of what they believe to be guns and weaponry away, but it's basically just a decoy. Uh, It's dirt and then a dead body is in one of them.
0: A dead body of, I think, one of their leaders or something. They recognize the dead body.
1: I did not, but they do. Uh, Well, you're
0: not a kangaroo, Alex. That's
1: true. So their plan to infiltrate it is to repaint the jet that um, Naomi Watts painted her red color, and then they're just going to go back in, posing as members of WNP, and then just take them down from the inside, type of thing.
0: Uh, this is where we get the Naomi Watts Oscar clip. Yes, she's she's piloting the the plane, but she can't answer the the prompts from the base. That they're approaching, mm-hmm. I guess, because it's a man's world. So there's, you know, if they heard a female voice, on the comms, they they there would, know. would immediately be red flags, right? Exactly. There's no way that a woman would pilot this jet, this successfully. So she's whispering uh, in one of the kangaroos' ears what they're supposed to say, because mm-hmm. I guess a kangaroo voice behind the behind the wheel is behind is, the guys <laughs> of a soldier. Yeah, that's more believable than a woman doing it. Uh, but the guy keeps messing it up. He mm-hmm. can't really. Gave a convincing portrayal of a pilot mm-hmm. so then eventually she gets fed up and she takes the mic and she's like i'll be damned i just i need to land and she gives him like an awesome speech mm-hmm. and the guys are just so stunned and so impressed i guess by the self-assertiveness in her voice yeah that they don't question it anymore and they just let them land
1: and this just as you would expect leads to a big schmoz the leader of the rippers is killed he's gunned down uh, this leads the others to just go on a fucking visceral rampage, ripping through all the guards. Uh, we get our final showdown between Rebecca, and at this point, we have Mecca McDowell, who he had his arm ripped off, and it was replaced with a robotic arm. And we learn also, his head is just uh, a hologram.
0: Yeah, but it's it's such an awesome double reveal, right? Because we've we've checked in on McDowell a couple times since he got blown up, mm-hmm. and so... We know that he's gone through some sort of serious surgery, and we know we saw the arm that they were going to give him. So the arm is not a surprise. He but, had
1: the, the face wrap, like the beginning of 89 Tim Burton's Batman.
0: Yes. Well, I was thinking of Face Off, where ah, Nick Cage also yeah. has the and, – uh, And they basically tell him, like, th- we, we can't reconstruct this. So mm. we don't know what's going to happen, but they bring an Asian doctor that's going to do yeah. the trick. And so we haven't seen his face at all. Since then, there's been a couple shots from the back where it's been hinted that when we reveal this, it's going to blow your mind. And then he finally shows up for the final showdown. And we both kind of groaned that we should have had more faith in the movie yeah. because he shows up looking like Michael McDowell. Mm-hmm. It was like, I thought that we were going to see some really messed up stuff.
1: Uh, Phantom of the Opera, Michael McDowell.
0: Yeah, yeah. At least, you know, an eye patch <laughs> or something. But uh, so so you're kind of thrown off by that. But then, halfway through the fight, when Tangirl girl thinks she has him, mm-hmm. she tries to punch his face and her fist goes goes through mm-hmm. because it's a hologram, yeah, and then you get it. It's like, oh, double whammy,
1: and feeding into your theory of her being a female bugs bunny, she's basically uh shadow boxing, quoting Muhammad Ali lines here before she she punches him uh but yeah it's a it's a big reveal, and then an even bigger reveal, like you said, uh, we get the idea of the plan, and also you know. He bugged her. She was a human bug and basically just led the Rippers to him. So once they're out of the picture, he'll have full reign on the territory. Um, she defeats him with fairly no issue. but uh, well, she has a tank. Well, I was about to say, she gets him in a compromised position with little issue. And apparently the tank is self-aware and can control itself. And it shakes its head no that it can't kill it because it's out of ammo. So she gets in there and starts loading beer cans into the cannon. Uh, and then we get Malcolm McDowell standing and doing like karate chops at the beer cans that are flying at him. Um, and I think he doesn't need to go, come and on! at one point.
0: He does. He totally does.
1: And then so she just aims it higher. And in a cruel bout of irony and, you know, a fitting end to our, our bad guy, Kessley, one of the beer cans hits a, an arid bucket of water hanging above his head. It dumps down onto the hologram of his head and basically he short circuits
0: well well he short circuits but he's not gone yet mm-hmm. and you think in classic 90s uh, oh no there's one more twist of, right, of right. irony he's he's gonna come back up yeah right but then she just uses his his weapon on him and sucks the, the water out of him
1: that's right the only thing that was missing is she should have drank it yeah
0: yeah uh, well you know what she will not stoop to that level
1: that's fair she's that's a fair.
0: powerful woman she doesn't need to go for those theatrics but speaking of powerful women, then Naomi Watts has her own closing scene as well.
1: Oh, that's right. She she offs not Travolta.
0: <laughs> yeah. She, and again, she goes – because it starts with – I guess Travolta's trying to take off, and then suddenly he notices the laser pointer mm-hmm. on his crotch. And you're like, oh, she's going to shoot his nuts off, mm-hmm. which that's fine. He was a fucking rapist. But then she she rises above that and actually moves the pointer up to his forehead, and then he says, fuck you. And then she's like, "No," she,
1: he says, "Fuck me." And then oh, yeah, she that's says, right. "For the last time, I don't want to." Yeah, and then shoots him.
0: Badass. I I think that for that brief moment, she she out badasses Lori Petty.
1: And vindicated by Dashboard Confessional was written in tribute to this movie. Um, and then the movie ends. It's done. <laughs> it, I'm finished. It, pretty much the booga, the kangaroo comes down and.
0: They share a kiss?
1: Yeah, and he's just like, I made the guards empty all the bullets out of their guns. Like, why didn't you take... <laughs> they kiss, and then there's an implied sex scene with them in the tank.
0: Yeah, there's there's some final animation where it's just a celebration of everything that we've come to love about this movie. There's uh,
1: And then the closing credits start to play in the song. Yeah,
0: tank girl! <laughs> and a franchise was... <laughs> stillborn
1: in loving memory of iced tea uh yep yeah
0: that was that was that was something that was this is the movie that said the feminism movement back 30 years
1: <laughs> it uh i mean it does end very abruptly we're not kidding not travolta dies she kisses the kangaroo thing and then the movie's over
0: yeah, tanker.
1: <laughs> and we don't even get the directed by. Like, Talale was just like, fuck this, take my name off of it.
0: <laughs> uh, <laughs> He's like, once is enough at the beginning. Yeah, for real. And then I t gets <laughs> gets credited. He gets
1: billed before <laughs> Malcolm McDowell. He gets second billing.
0: McDowell's agent was like, do you want me to fight for this? No, no, that's okay. That's okay.
1: I mean, God. I know the movie really dragged towards the end, but he was probably only in it for like fifteen minutes total. <laughs> and Malcolm McDowell's there the whole movie going for it.
0: I don't know, man. I we...
1: love Walker.
0: <laughs> I I I have a feeling that all those times we didn't see his face was because he wasn't really there.
1: <laughs> he was the bad guy from Inspector Gadget at one point. <laughs> yeah. They showed him like sitting in his big chair, like laughing with his mechanical arm flailing. But
0: we're we're totally real talking right now. We're bleeding over we, here. We shouldn't. No, let's let's take a break so we can go to real talk.
1: Agreed. Oh my goodness. And you have to explain, if you will, who Tank Girl is to people in America who have never seen this comic book before.
0: Tank Girl is a post-apocalyptic, funky, sexy, silly. Hero. Heroin. She smokes cigarettes and drinks martinis, and I kill Malcolm about five times. He keeps coming back. And then in the end, you end up sort of hanging out with, uh, um kangaroos yes yeah, right <laughs> well they're half kangaroos Ice <laughs> they're half kangaroos and half people Half, exactly right kind of mutant sort of things and you play the bad guy who runs the that's the, right the corporation that controls all of the, the water, water the wh- which, is, which is the gold standard that's yeah. currency in, in that particular time it, it's kind of a movie that you know you park the, your brains at the door you go in with a thing of popcorn and you just have a good time hopefully you know it's that kind of movie there you go it was it was very uh it is it's comic book like and there's a whole in terms of its effect and its feel and the way it's uh you know the the animation in it and and all of that other stuff and i sat there and i thought i don't think i've ever seen anything quite like this before yeah that's one thing if you go to the movie whether you love it to death or hate it there's nothing like it You've never seen anything like this movie before. So it's worth just the experience of the mixed medium and the madness. And- it's not a good movie to go and have a snooze in. It's so loud. <laughs> this music is like it's a U level. Right?
1: It's a, <laughs> whoa. It's all this sort of
0: um what do they call it? Grunge from Seattle. Yeah. You know that kind of new is it <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> yeah. Okay, real talk for Tank Girl. Real Tank.
1: Um This movie has quite the legacy. <laughs> Uh I mean, joking aside, it really it's looked at as something that derailed Lori Petty's career. Not to say she was on track to be fucking Meryl Streep or Rachel McAdams or Emma Stone or something like you that. You never know though. They try to treat her like fucking Mamie Mandoran in this movie or uh fucking Judy Garland. It's like, all right, she'll dance, she'll sing, she'll act, she'll cry, she'll laugh. Uh um, she'll
0: be she'll be cute, almost like borderline Like child acting cute, but she'll also be sexy. We'll make sure that
1: you question: Does she have a mental disorder? (laughs) Yes. Um. So leading into this, she was in Point Break, and then of course her big breakout, which I'm shocked you've never seen a League of Their Own.
0: I I know it's it's one of those that's been on my to watch list since forever. Um, And I gotta get. I know. I know that uh, there's no crying in baseball
1: that like tom hanks is amazing genie davis is amazing uh, Lori petty's fantastic rosie o'donnell which i'm not fond of usually giving her credit but she's phenomenal in it madonna madonna is madonna um that's one of my all-time favorite um modern family exchanges is when cam and uh claire are cleaning up a baseball diamond she's like upset about some fight she got in with Phil, and um she starts crying while they're cleaning it up and Cam says, "What did a league of What did a league of their own teach us?" And she's like, "That there's no crying in baseball," and he goes, no, that Madonna's a terrible actress, and so are you." <laughs> just had to get that in. So, in um, the last movie she did before this, if I remember correctly, was um, the Polly Shore vehicle in the Army. Now, so not just to say that it was just this that kind of, um, I guess,
0: like. After surviving a Polish Shore movie, you're like, fuck it, I'll take whatever.
1: Now, she did have work after this, and I'm not trying to bury Lori Petty, because I do think we'll get to this. I think she tried as hard as she could in this. It's
0: like you said while we are watching it. Early contender for the, for the Embry.
1: For year three. Um, year four. Oh, fuck. Man, I'm going to die someday. <laughs> um... But she did do work after this, but it really wasn't until she was in Orange is a New Black that she did something of any type of prominence after this. And uh, Rachel Talale, I know she prior to this directed uh, one of the Nightmare on Elm Street films. Really? Uh, mm-hmm. Uh, Freddy's Dead, The Final Nightmare. And uh, the gentleman who wrote this, I don't... I was going to have my computer pulled up with all my notes, but my computer's updating. Uh, but the gentleman who wrote this also... Uh adapted the screenplay. I'm sorry he didn't write it because it was obviously based on a comic, but he would go on to write Terminator 3, Rise of the Machines. So
0: As as much as I don't like I raise Term- my glass to that man. <laughs> he bounced back. He got in into, a big way. Yeah, he got he got into a big franchise. I don't really care much for Rise of the Machines, but I mean to to get there after doing Tank Girl, that's that's a big accomplishment in my mind. Um before we, we move on to, yeah, I'm sorry, to got... really talking about this.
1: Yeah, because we've got some fun trivia to go through, so um
0: yeah, I have a I have a I mean Who, who
1: fucking liked this? Um
0: <laughs> uh, you know, like I Besides, was telling
1: you was that Corey that was tweeting us while we were watching it?
0: Yes, but I mean he he might just like it because it's terrible.
1: That's that's a fair point. Or
0: he might actually like it. I don't know. You never know with Corey. I I'm I'm sure we'll hear about it. Oh uh, yeah. Uh but yeah, there aren't that many quotes because uh like it tends to happen when you look up uh, a, an older movie uh, on Rotten Tomatoes. A lot of the, the splotches and the tomatoes don't actually have quotes on them. Um,
1: just a very reluctant thumbs up.
0: <laughs> like, just say I like it. Don't make me explain <laughs> why. Uh, but Jeffrey M. Anderson from Combustible Celluloid says, Ultimately, I had a lot more fun at this movie. More fun at this movie? It should be more fun with this movie. Mm-hmm. Well, whatever. Ultimately, I had a lot more fun at this movie than I did at Batman Forever. Which I uh, I'm sorry that that can't be right. I mean maybe it's it's right for him. I just can't.
1: No, Batman agree. Forever has Tommy Lee Jones turned up to fucking a thousand in that movie.
0: It's Tommy Lee. It's an apt comparison because Tommy Lee Jones is basically doing Laurie Petty in that movie.
1: Well, and Jim Carrey goes for it too.
0: But Jim Carrey is always Jim Carrey. I mean he's That's always true. going for it that but way. But
1: Val Kilmer was like the worst Batman. Val
0: Kilmer is a stone sinking in the water slowly. <laughs> And uh um, Chris O'Donnell,
1: Hey man. <laughs> is Batman Forever the one where he does his laundry where yes. he's like got the nunchuck socks? <laughs> yep. And fuck, who's the damsel in distress in that? Nicole Kidman. Nicole Kidman. Oh god, that's a bad movie.
0: <laughs> I mean, that's not bad because of her, but No yeah. no no, I know.
1: That movie is not the sum of its parts. It's right. Yeah, yeah. it's um Joel Schumacher just was off his rocker. His Schumacher. <laughs>
0: He was, uh, he was a real bad guy in that movie. Yes. He, he really – his his plan to destroy Batman completely worked because they approved a sequel with him as a director.
1: <laughs> well, I think the difference of that movie and this one is that movie made money.
0: Right. Yeah. Because cause he was Batman, not Batwoman. Boo. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. This guy, Jeffrey M. Anderson, likes Tan Girl more than Batman Forever. Okay. That's like your opinion, man. Um, Janet Maslin from New York Times says, Chief of its Strong Points is is Lori Petty, a buzz cut fashion plate and a Prozac necklace who brings the necessary gusto to tank girls' flippancy. And then finally mm. uh, Stefan Berger Stefanson, that sounds like a made up name from SBS.is simply says, girl power.
1: This would have been right around the time of the Spice Girls, so I'll take it. Um... Teddy.
0: Uh, oh, and then I downloaded this picture. I was gonna show it to you while we we're watching the movie, and then got distracted.
1: Okay, so Jesus,
0: <laughs> it's a. Uh, I'll probably I put it on the website when this comes out. But uh, yeah, it's a picture of a girl comic, the cover, and she is, she's standing in front of a kangaroo, one of the kangaroo guys. The Presumably, Booga. I, I don't know. He looks kind of angry. He mm. looks like the the angry one, the like iced tea, but he's uh, he's grabbing her boobs from behind. And she's got it's like the
1: Janet Jackson Rolling Stone cover.
0: Oh, is that what it is? Yeah, was Janet Jackson's uh hand down her crotch? No, not like that, oh, okay. but it also
1: cut off at her navel.
0: Okay, well, yeah, her one of her hands is down her crotch. Yeah, it's uh,
1: it's pretty crass. Um,
0: I mean, I wouldn't say that this represents the movie we just watched, though.
1: No, I mean, you could tell. I'm sure the comic, it's like a lot of movies that are adapted from those types of comic books, those like graphic novels. It's with the exception of Watchmen, which uh, uh, Zack Snyder managed to squeeze more sex and wiener into than was in the actual (laughs) book itself. Uh, But you can usually tell it's more of a pulp, raw. It's trying to adapt it into um, something the whole mainstream audience can consume. And this. Tank like Watchmen. That's not. It's not a story that everyone's gonna want to see anyway. It's a very
0: right. Even if it was done well, and by done well, I mean
1: done any other way but we <laughs> saw here.
0: Right. Even if yeah. Even if it was done better than what we did here, to where uh, somebody would like it. You know, just like <laughs> the average person would like it. I don't think it would be a big hit because no. it's still just really weird and uh,
1: Teddy Serafian uh, and I do apologize Teddy if I mispronounced that but that was the gentleman that did the screenplay um released on March 31st 1995 budget of 25 million box office return of uh right around 6 million so this one lost about 20 million dollars um real quick to run through the fun things I did find about it this made me laugh really hard uh, this is from the IMDb trivia section Ice-T recalled one interview on a hip-hop show where the host made fun of him for doing Tank Girl. He replied, I was paid $800,000 for that movie. The host moved on. (laughs) Uh, Multiple places I read there was a sex scene with Booga and Tank Girl. And the studio spent five grand on a prosthetic penis for the kangaroo. And MGM just refused to have that in the final cut.
0: Uh Unlike many of the decisions made in this movie, that was probably a, a good call. <laughs>
1: um, the director, Talale, this was a movie that since, you know, the uh, producers in the studio screwed up my vision of it. and it's, I'm sorry.
0: I can't imagine a director's cut that makes this a better movie.
1: And that's where Corey will come in defending uh, Dawn of Justice. Sing. Wait, was Corey the one that defended the Halloween 2 director's cut? Yes. Okay. Um, that's true. That's where he could be the, like,
0: it explains everything. It works thing.
1: out perfectly. Uh, Naomi Watts is ashamed of this film. That's just one of the trivias, and I thought that was amazing. Dude,
0: I spent most of the movie feeling bad for her. Mm-hmm. Because she's not phoning it in, but she looks really uncomfortable. And that's part of her character, but of course it's very easy to just read it as the actual actress being really uncomfortable with the, her surroundings.
1: Now you want to talk about how this movie could have worked. Emma Button, who's baby... Victoria Beckham, who is posh, and Jerry Horner, who, of course, is Ginger Spice, uh, all three of them auditioned for the role of Tank Girl.
0: So one could have been Tank, another one Jet, and the other one, yes, the little girl. <laughs> or, I don't know who the other... Do we have any other... Female? And there you go.
1: It's terrible, but you expect it to be. No one expected Spice World to be a good movie, and people still talk about Spice World.
0: Just own the camp. I mean Yes. Is, but but you It does it,
1: own the camp here, but the problem is is it's inconsistent in owning its campness.
0: Yeah, there's something really weird. And I asked you by the time that we're almost over, by the time that uh Travolta it's fucking
1: hour and forty minutes and it felt like fucking four hours. No dude. kidding.
0: Uh the when fake Travolta dies and he's like fuck me. That was the first fuck. I mean unless we missed it. And I turned to you and was like Is this radar? Because I so. I'm surprised with the amount of Everything that goes on, that that they wouldn't just go a little more loosely with their fucks.
1: Good lord! According to the director, there was an additional hour of footage that was cut. This thing was going to be goddamn. There will be blood. <laughs> uh, there was two. Uh, there was one other thing I should say. Ah, yes. There were two directors at one point that were considering this project. Care to venture a guess?
0: Martin Scorsese. And uh, I want to say, uh, well, I made the Catherine Bigelow joke already mm-hmm. <laughs> while we're not recording. Uh, but I want to think of like a strong female filmmaker back in the 90s. Uh, Amy Heckerling was doing Clueless, so it couldn't have been her.
1: <laughs> she had already been deep into the loser <laughs> script.
0: Oh, yeah, that's right. And... Uh, Woody Allen.
1: That would have been amazing. Uh, <laughs> Steven Spielberg and James Cameron.
0: Holy shit. Yeah. Well, Cameron does have a thing for just the the, the female superhero kind of types. Mm-hmm. You know, he's... Uh, so maybe... I, I'm sure they would have come up with something that was a little more tone consistent, maybe.
1: Apparently, like, in the material that was cut out, there was going to be a character sub-girl who that was originally going to be Bjork. Good God.
0: Was that like uh, like a Subway sandwich or a submarine?
1: <laughs> yes. <laughs> the power of making sandwiches. It would have been a submarine. Uh, all right. So we can speak at fucking length and nauseam about how fucking bad this movie is. And it's not necessarily any one person's fault that's acting in it, because Malcolm McDowell, one of the things I read too, I read an interview with him about it, he still thinks it's fine. It's like uh, Keith Richards, that Altamont Speedway concert the Rolling Stones did where those people died. He still says it was like one of their better gigs. And that's what I think like Malcolm McDowell here, he compared it to working on uh, fucking Clockwork Orange and working with uh, Q- Kubrick. and uh, Wow. Yeah. I mean, God bless. I'm not going to tell Malcolm McDowell he's wrong, but
0: that's I just I'm I'm at a loss for words because that seems that's almost like he's fucking with you.
1: Like this, like shows those polished actors. Like Malcolm McDowell is not phoning it in. He's also not going for the gold. He's just there, and he's great at what he does. Just because he can show up like a wind up toy and just like that's a compliment to him as an actor.
0: Yeah, at the same time. He is fucking ridiculous in this movie. Mm. I mean, it's just – it doesn't –
1: He's fucking Christopher Lloyd's character from um, Who Framed Roger Rabbit.
0: Except without the fun.
1: Without the animation or the wonder or magic or good.
0: Yeah, it's just stereotypical and it's just – I mean, I don't feel bad for him the way that I feel bad for Naomi Watts because apparently he had a good time.
1: (laughs) Well, yeah, and Naomi Watts, I mean – I think your like cringing and viewing through your fingers of her in this movie is watching it now because we both watched it for the first time today. I mean, this was her first movie with any considerable budget, so no, knowing, knowing what we know now, yeah, it's it's uncomfortable to watch.
0: Right at the time, I don't know, man. She. I don't. I would love to be able to ask her point blank. It's like, what was it like to be on that set? <laughs> were you aware of the kind of movie you were making? You know, you have uh, you have iced tea and everybody else dresses kangaroos surrounding you, yeah. and they're dancing slash praying. You kind of have to have that feel in the back of your head. It's like ah, I don't know about this. Yeah, <laughs> this is my American debut. Maybe it's not a good a good call
1: it's like the exact opposite my you know my reaction to bewitched and how much i enjoyed that and hearing will ferrell talk about you know how he just knew on set that they were doomed um with this god yeah i can't imagine and that's the other thing mcdowell probably rolled in <laughs> five minutes before his scene started shooting and left afterwards so when he would probably watch this in the theater he would, oh my god
0: <laughs> right if he, if he was there just for his scenes and there's no indication that he wouldn't you know why would he stick around yeah but he probably hasn't even watched the movie
1: uh yeah probably not yeah it's like um who's that johnny depp bruce willis those guys that always talk about like not watching their movies yeah it's, it's
0: like it's hard enough to just act in them yeah it has to be even worse when you act them act in them and you know they're they're bad uh the uh, so laurie petty because I before we just completely close the, the book on her. <laughs> I what are they going for? And I know that we are at a disadvantage in a way because we're not familiar with the comic book. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh but then it goes back to how do you judge an adaptation? Do you do you judge the adaptation how it pleases the people that are fans of the original uh product, or do you judge it in how well it welcomes people that are new to that product and either entices them to try out what the original was or it really satisfies them without needing them to be experts or familiar at all with that stuff. Just be Logan. (laughs) Then you're good. (laughs) Logan works on both. Well, I think that's that's definitely the bar to clear. That's the goal, to please everybody. But then maybe if you can't do that, then maybe you should aim to just please one or the other, right? So... I would like to know from a Tank Girl fan, somebody that's a fan of the comics, because they could tell you this captures exactly what the comic is about. Just going from that cover I just showed you and a couple others that I I saw The brief,
1: yeah, brief glances I made at any original Tank Girl material, it's like, and then watching the movie, it's like, this seems like a very commercialized version of that. Not commercialized, but... Uh, whitewashed like, would that be the right term Tone down tone down yeah it
0: seems uh, i i was I just did a tan girl comic and I looked at the images, and most of the results were pretty sexual and mm. that's of course it's the internet, so <laughs> those are gonna be the 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 top spots but it but at the same time it was sexual it's in a way under- that keep. this movie this movie refused to go there and i I mean that's fine, except that it did go there somewhat mm. Mm-hmm. Right? I mean, if you're going to hint at the romance between a kangaroo mutated thing and uh, I just sound (laughs) sound so prejudiced, right? Against
1: kangaroos?
0: (laughs) I guess. Mutated animals?
1: (laughs) Nah, I mean, it is what it is. There is a weird dynamic of, uh, and I'm not just making this up. I read this was like one of the things, the issues with the production about is Rebecca supposed to have any type of like, like a mental disorder issue or something like that? Cause she seems like sociopathic in some ways.
0: I, I, yeah. A hundred percent. Well, but there's also, uh, I, the way that Lori Petty was delivering the lines, her inflection, it all, she sounds like a little girl. So I thought before she took the mask off, I really thought that she was going to be a much younger character mm-hmm. than she turned out to be. And, uh, so the girly voice when you put that with the with the more adult stuff I, I mean oh
1: dude when that part she's like it's like the first time you got laid you just say <laughs> dad am i doing this right it's like oh god
0: right but i think that there's there's a a way to make that line work it's just not how they did it here like there's a way to stage it with either a different actress or a different tone in the performance or you know she's saying that is she saying that to oh she's saying that to Naomi Watts yeah. yeah that's right uh I don't know. Naomi <laughs> <Amy>
1: Watts <laughs> tries to hide behind the scenery.
0: <laughs> yes. <laughs> She's like, why why do you cover your mouth every time you laugh? And Naomi Watts is like, I'm trying to cover my face. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, I, I... That is... Like I say, I've said it plenty of times in this podcast. I put that on the director. The director was watching that performance and decided that it worked. Absolutely. Uh, so, it, it's kind of... Like you said, Lori Petty has given her all mm-hmm. here. So I don't know if she's also on speed the entire time. Um,
1: yeah, but, she's the last person I blame. But, I blame Ice-T before I blame her. <laughs> Ice-T. $800,000. Ice-T should have known better by now.
0: <laughs> yeah. Uh, but then, you know, he's under heavy makeup, so.
1: He thought he was just going to get covered up. Hey, yeah. man, he married Coco Austin in the end, so he won. I mean, props <laughs> to that guy. Um, above all else, this movie's biggest failing, it's just fucking boring.
0: Yes. So that was, that was my next point, which was, I mean, we were like, what, 30 minutes into the movie when you turn to me and you're like, nothing's happening. Yeah. (laughs) Right? I
1: I was like, it's apparent that pacing and tone are going to be an issue with this. Because like, okay, in the first, um, I moved my little mouse over to it and i think we were 24 minutes into the movie and in that time we're introduced to her boyfriend in one scene he's killed in the next scene and that encompasses you know in total about 45 seconds of film time <laughs> about 20 minutes later we get that scene of her showering that's like 90 seconds of just <laughs>
0: nothingness. in slow motion yeah, yeah.
1: it yeah i don't i don't know and I, I've never seen Freddy's Dead. Uh, so as far as Miss Lele goes, I'm not overly familiar with the rest of her filmography. And, you know, being my limited knowledge, I might as well take her to word saying that she, her movie would have worked. Maybe it would have as I mean, a three-hour movie. Yeah, I
0: was going to say, that the two-and-a-half-hour cut could actually fix some of the stuff because uh, there's a lot in the story that doesn't make sense. To there's me, a lot that's rushed. Right. And, and you know, the tone... Issues might not be as severe if you have other scenes that kind of build up to those really weird, whiplash moments where, like, oh, this was funny, and now this is really creepy. There is and
1: zero is... explanation why the rippers dance to pray, and right, just... it's just
0: just because I guess it's supposed to be funny that they're doing that. I guess, it's, yeah, it, but it's, just it's not. The yeah. yeah, there. Uh, to me, it felt a lot of the movie felt like. Uh, like watching a kid play with their action figures. It, have you seen that? I, I know they they used to show it. I think uh, before movies at the draft house, uh, they're like these animated shorts where, like, I guess some guy records the audio of his kid playing with their toys, and then he makes a little short film just with that's that audio. Awesome. But because it's ridiculous, it doesn't make any sense, right? So that's kind of like what this movie felt like. Where tan girl, she she just does whatever. The, the person telling the story requires her to do something. So, okay, well, she'll do it. And yeah. the character doesn't really – it doesn't really matter what the motivation is mm-hmm. or what how it affects the rest of the story. It's like, wouldn't it be cool if right now she she gets in a tank? Okay, well – Yeah, then and it, then it, it, we'll
1: play the shaft theme
0: Exactly. Then it happens, right? And then wouldn't it be cool if she's like – well, here that she gets beaten up to death or almost to death, and then oh, well, it just happens because it doesn't really matter how it's gonna fit into the rest of the story. It's just yeah. it's just somebody kind of like stream of consciousness telling you a story about Tan girl. And...
1: If the, like honestly, if this movie had done anything for me, I could have really stretched a really serious narrative during hashtag CC about uh, how much Mad Max stole from it. <laughs> but, it, but, it but there
0: is that that thing. I did feel Which, it. Which, by and,
1: the way, not to compare the two, but Mad Max Fury Road is extremely overrated.
0: Yeah, I think we've mentioned it before. Yeah. Neither of us is. I mean, but it's... It's good. It's, it's, it's good. It's much better than Tang Girl. It's, it's an actual movie. Yeah. It has a story. It has characters that you it, care about. It, exactly. It, it's just... It's what you would expect, at least. But to, fucking like,
1: Best Picture suck my dick.
0: Right. Yeah. Calm yeah. down. Yeah. That's it was it was good. It was fun. It was extremely well shot. But
1: I, I was glad it brought Charlie Stern back. And I, I know I keep cutting you off here, but uh, to steal your line from this, this made Aeon Flux look good.
0: Yes. Yes, it did. Uh, um, but I did feel while we we're watching it and I know it's mainly because I was looking for it, because I was looking at it through the contrarian's glasses, right? So it, you really do think Coming pick soon up, <laughs> to wearethecontrarians.com. Uh, you do see the attempts really clunky, really over the top, and really uh, undermined by just the way that the story is told of uh, some sort of feminist manifesto. I mean, uh-huh. it is a woman fighting back in a man's world and... She she puts up with a lot of shit and she fights back and she never gives up. And so all that, like as a bare bones idea, you're like, oh, well, that's why, you know, Wonder Woman worked. <laughs> yeah, well, in
1: Fair Fucks to him, you have a female director, um Lori Petty, who would have been a, like a moderate name, like an up and comer. And then, you know, Naomi Watts, a secondary character who would have been a no name at that point. So I mean, you know, Can of Coke, they they like they tried something. Right. And, and that's admirable. It's and there just, is
0: actually the, the constant sexual harassment they go through, I mean, that is something that I would imagine as a woman, yeah, you can kind of connect to it. The problem is it's surrounded by a movie that doesn't make any sense. Mm-hmm. So uh it's
1: like it's almost it feels like it's a lost opportunity.
0: Right. It it's like this movie Better Made could have been just wacky and creepy i don't know how you pull it off obviously you know not this way yeah <laughs> but yeah it, it's every I, I wasn't kidding like every character even the kangaroos sees uh jet girl and tan girl as sexual toys mm-hmm. as sexual mates you know and, yeah. and so there is something there's an attempt at saying something there. it's just falls flat mm-hmm. to say the least uh, but speaking of influx you asked me, and I said, let's save it for real talk. You said, what movie have we done that's worse than this?
1: I was taking a leak before we started recording, and the only thing I could come up with was A Good Day to Die Hard.
0: Yeah, I, I thought... Uh, but even then. I mean... I dude. think...
1: Oh God, that's such a bad movie. But this is so bad also. And the shot we've done movies... I think Bewitched is lower than this. Lower than Yeah, which is
0: twenty-five, I think, and this which is 38.
1: Is, it's recoculus.
0: Yeah, but but it's it's one of those Rotten Tomatoes things that there are that many reviews, I think, to for them to pull. I so know. that kind of like affects it. I'm
1: like getting fucking I'm, I'm working myself until like, I get it. I'm getting worked up over our entire thesis <laughs> of don't take rotten tomatoes too seriously.
0: Right. Well the the I, I I thought uh that our, our go to when we're talking about like movies that we hate that we've done uh Christmas with the Cranks. But but Christmas with the Cranks yes is at least it's kind of nope. like tied nope. together nope. in nope. a way that makes sense. It's terrible. It's not funny as a comedy. It fails. But but at the story least
1: the narrative of this and the story
0: was worth it. Like was it, it was a, a worthy attempt, I guess as opposed to It's
1: more ambitious than Tim <laughs> Allen being such a huge pussy that he can't tell his daughter he's going out of town for Christmas.
0: So you would say Christmas with the Cranks is it's worth I I mean Christmas
1: with the Cranks is still the king. And, and, I think that's our lowest one too. It was like six percent or something.
0: Yeah, it's really low. It's uh Aeon Flux was really low too.
1: And Fla- I mean, God bless this, you know um ever long project of ours. Because, I mean at the end of the day it's just you and me hanging out watching movies, which is great. And with some of the dribble we've watched, this included <laughs> It makes me appreciate certain elements of filmmaking more than I did before we did all this, and like being able to say, "Yeah, you can find the good in almost anything." Like here, you got to look hard, you got to bust out the magnifying glass and the comb. Um, but I mean, Lori Petty, I I'm just realizing I think Empire Records is lower than this. <laughs>
0: Probably, uh, I quit. <laughs> but you know, it, it, no, that is that is true because. You really. It would also separate the. I would to say like the goodwill, in the movie. the maliciously bad from the right like, things that don't work. Here's, uh, and I'm not saying that the people involved in a Good Day to Die Hard are evil or anything, but I think that they had a lot less to say in mm-hmm. that movie than what this movie was trying, what what Tank Girl was trying to do, right?
1: They took zero chances, did everything you'd expect, and yeah. nothing more a anyway, lot less a lot less <laughs> exactly
0: yeah. and and this one at least went out there yeah so
1: and again it, like Bruce Willis seemed to be like bummed to be in that movie <laughs> whereas like like Lori Petty was excited to be there and um I think really saw this as her moment and tried to seize it and again like you said at the end of the day the shortcomings of that are on the director
0: yeah yeah, that is uh, – and, and the director could come back with what she did, which is – well, this is not my vision. My vision mm-hmm. was a two-and-a-half epic, and it just didn't work. But, but then Where we you end just...
1: on the banks of Gettysburg, and Tank Girl draws her sword and charges at the Confederates.
0: <laughs> Fade to black, directed by. <laughs> uh,
1: I don't, did we mention that in Contrarian's Corner, that there's not a directed by credit?
0: I hadn't noticed until you said it. Yeah. But yeah that's, it just goes straight into the cast. Yeah. It's like – she could have just protested, I guess. I, I thought that they weren't allowed that by, by DGA uh, rules, they had to have the credit there. I mean, the, her credit's at the beginning.: Yeah, as I was but, gonna
1: say she's credited with it, but
0: uh, but then it prompts the question, do you need a two and a half hour movie about Tan Girl? <laughs> if if, if, that's, if that's your original uh intention, then you're starting off in the wrong way.
1: So I would need to read it to have a better idea about that because that goes back to my thing with Watchmen of people complained it was too long. It's like, look, if you're actually trying to tell the story of Watchmen, you need like a fucking four and a half hour movie. Right?
0: Yeah. No. 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 Uh, Watchmen. There's no way that you could do a movie that was shorter. I think, no. and it's. And they- even
1: then, it's almost too short for like. All that's encompassed in the Watchmen story, right?
0: But Watchmen is it's it's an actual story with a beginning, middle, and end. Whereas Tank Girl, I'm assuming, it's an ongoing series. So this doesn't feel like the Tank Girl story. This is the introduction of Tank Girl. That's how when, she, how she became Tank Girl.
1: <laughs> who is the Tank Girl? Right.
0: Uh,
1: that's always been one of the things that the. Uh, anytime someone tries to jump on a Metal Gear Solid movie, because it's just like there's so much to it and uh-huh. such an like an ever expanding universe and stuff. Um, so
0: you need a movie first where he he doesn't uh he's just metal and then he and, finds his gear
1: <laughs> and finally he becomes solid, <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh I mean, and let's not let's not get it twisted here. It's not like this was the only comic book movie that failed, and certainly not the only comic book movie of the nineties that failed, yeah, I think the ninety if you look at the history of the comic book adaptation films. The '90s was a very trying, struggling time—not just like on in film, but also television. I remember, uh, do you remember on MTV they tried to convert the Max into a weekly series? And-
0: yeah, I'm trying to remember if we've like mentioned it before because I know that. I told you I haven't watched the Max, but I did catch a couple episodes of something else that I just didn't get. Yeah. It was those weird – oh, it might have been when we were talking about Ian Flux. Yeah. Because Ian Flux yeah, yeah, was yeah. part of that, that first – uh When
1: MTV had that wave of, like, cartoons that they were trying to get out, yeah. Um But, yeah, it took a while. And, I mean, it's so weird how that is because with the way the comic book genre of film is now – um no one would take a chance on like a a kitsch, like a really niche story like this it, it's got to be like you know the big dogs um I, I just think it's so fascinating how it worked in reverse of like <laughs> the first wave of attempted at comic book films was like these really weird one-off type right. things right
0: but i wonder how much what i mean it's 95 so on which installment of uh, teenage mutant ninja turtles were we 95 would yeah. have been 3 by then, the third, so they were ready, like on the on the. Downward. Oh yeah, the
1: the first live adaptation was either eighty nine or ninety, and then two was ninety two, because you got to remember Vanilla Ice was still hot when two came out. <laughs> That's right. Yeah,
0: but you know when you see the kangaroos dancing, that was that was the Ninja Turtles dancing. It mm-hmm. it, it felt like that. So it's that kind of, it does hit a lot of those nineties bad movie moments, uh, from the the way that the bad guy is introduced and defeated to just the weird awkward physical comedy uh yeah i could it it really felt like a 90s movie like a bad 90s movie
1: yeah um i always think of my my buddy brody whenever i talk about tank girl um
0: yeah how did you come to this movie by the way because this was your suggestion and i was extremely surprised when as we're starting it you're like yeah i've never seen this
1: uh, well, it's honestly, it, it, he had this one line one time that's always lived with me that it was stupid. It wasn't like anything profound. It just made me laugh really hard. He, uh, Brody, his favorite movie ever is Point Break, uh, unless it's changed, but I doubt it. And um, we were talking about that one time, and somehow Lori Petty came up with that. And I was just like, yeah, man, she was hot. She was a good actress, you know, good talent. And then he just, like, he didn't even look at me. He just said, like, yeah, man, you just don't come back from Tank Girl. Uh, And uh, I I knew it had a legacy, and it's one of those that I've read up on. It's not like a Cutthroat Island colossal bomb or anything like that, but I've always known that it has a legacy of being like this really stagnant, um, almost a black hole of sorts of people involved just went down the drain with it.
0: Gina Davis bounced back from Cutthroat Island.
1: Yeah, Gina Davis is also an exceptional talent, (laughs) and she also made the long kiss goodnight. Do you think
0: uh, Gina Davis would have bounced back from Tan Girl?
1: I, I don't know. Well, Gina Davis also had the built-in excuse with Cutthroat Island because she was married to the director. So, yeah, yeah, bit of a different scenario. Um, but with this, it was just one of those. I was surprised we hadn't done it already because of its infamy. And uh, I, I
0: mean, I knew it as a movie that wasn't necessarily good. More like, I guess, I knew it as a cult movie. Uh, yeah
1: it's not in the lineage or the you won't see it mentioned with some of the other like all-time worst that we've covered or things of that nature but it definitely has um a notable level of fame due to its badness
0: holy shit cutthroat island 1995 38 just like this movie
1: well, when I said bomb, didn't that movie lose like over $100 oh, yeah, million? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I was just
0: curious about the Rotten Tomatoes reception. I've never seen it. It's, I, I haven't seen it it's either. It's Gina
1: Davis and the homeboy from Princess Bride, right?
0: No, it's uh, some guy that's in uh, Dark Knight Rises. I'll mm. tell you in a second. Uh, so
1: as we wind this down and as you look that up. Uh, Matthew
0: Modine. Modine.
1: Really? Matthew Modine? Yeah.
0: Oh. Hey, Frank Langella is Dog he's <laughs> not got fucking song? frank Langella. And, <laughs> and,
1: hey doug uh as we wind down here we were we made allusion to at the beginning of this of um with comic book movies finding the balance between the two <clears throat> and and by balance, i mean uh mainstream audiences that don't know the source material and also hardcore fans right at this point, would you i think? I'm more or less just talking to you as a friend. We could have this conversation <laughs> off air the same... I think I'm at the point where I'm ready to put Logan with Dark Knight in terms of movies that accomplish that. Like, the, the peak.
0: We've never really talked about Logan other than me listening to you, like, telling me how much you cried during it. I, I, I
1: cried a lot more during the second time.
0: <laughs> the first I, time I was
1: just like, oh my god, this is so good. And the second time when it all set in and like... Oh, god. When he like... I, I could... I could do without the daddy, but when he like looks at her and he's just like, "So this is what it's like." And then the part that I know I saw the first time, but the second time around, that fucking killed me wasn't the where she took the cross and turned into the eggs. Uh, it was the little boy that had the Wolverine doll because I had that same toy when I was a kid. So I was just like, "Oh
0: god," I, I didn't remember that. No, I remember for, for me probably the most heartbreaking part, other than the very end, is the the dude Professor buried- X Professor Well. It's it's sad all around, but Professor X... Well, no, it wasn't Professor X. It was Logan's just panic at thinking that Professor X would think that it was he who had attacked him mm-hmm. instead of his weird clone thing. Uh, I, I, I don't know. That really... Because how horrible is that? Yeah, <laughs> you yeah, know? And it really hit me. Uh, but that said, I think... I've only seen it once. The thing that bothered me, that would keep me from putting it with the super top tier superhero movies for me was the stuff with the kids at the end and not because there's kids with superpowers but rather because you have kids with superpowers that don't do much besides running around Mm -hmm. they build them up uh as something that i expected uh would pay off much harder right it's like these guys that are kind of like her like like little wolverine girl uh have powers and you know that they're going to come for them mm-hmm. so in my mind i'm expecting the final showdown to be wolverine surrounded by a bunch of kids yeah and the kids may survive or not but they're going to fight as hard as this little girl well, i mean not as hard because they're not like wolverine-esque but yeah. still but they don't really get to do much there's they're just basically they get chased through the forest and then
1: the one it, guard or the one guy dies really bad, where they all like team up and...
0: Right, but it felt a lot like just a bunch of kids instead of feeling like the next generation of X-Men. And so, would that be something that would bother me on a second watch? Mm -hmm. Maybe not. But having only seen it once, I remember that brought me down a little bit. Um, Uh, And and it still landed really well because he dies, so... Um,
1: Yeah, I mean, if it's a one-off, which... I mean, fucking God bless the person that's going to be cast as Wolverine again because no one's going to accept him. Anyway, uh, before we go back to that, do, do we agree at this point Dark Knight's the, the benchmark?
0: Uh, I I have Dark Knight and Spider-Man 2. For me, Spider-Man 2, they're two very different movies. But for me, Spider-Man 2, it hits. As in Tobey Maguire, Maguire, Alfred Molina. Not, not okay. the amazing Spider-Man 2. That's that's a different kind of benchmark. <laughs> it's like a... Alfred Molina
1: in a trench coat. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um Okay, so I can roll with that. And to be fair, the difference between those uh Logan had like 15 years of material that built up into that. So whereas Dark Knight and Spider-Man 2 were basically just going on their own. Right. So m- fair fucks to them and much more credit to them for that, but yeah, man, neither of them have an Oscar nomination though. <laughs> well, Dark no, Knight, Knight yeah, got, got supporting. Not, not a writing, but yeah. Yeah.
0: Uh I, before we close the book on Tangirl, Girl, the... Back to it. Back to it. No, just to give it that final... Uh, I mean, to I'm me, ready to move on, man. To me, it's it's a bad movie, right? I yeah. mean, to both of us, a bad movie. I, I, I would give it one star out of five.
1: Uh, uh, I'd probably a D or an F.
0: It, so having said that, D or an F?
1: <laughs> I don't know. I'm... If I had more of a level head, I'd probably say a D. But since, like...
0: Well, yeah, I feel bad saying one star because, oh, yeah, well, they put in the effort and it tried stuff. But at the same time, it's almost unwatchable. Yeah. (laughs) I wouldn't put anybody through
1: this. That's Yeah, it's... That's the thing. It's not... It's unique in that (laughs) um, we have our usual takeaway of, well, you know, they tried, but we can't really find anything good about it.
0: That was going to be my my follow-up question. Having given it such a low rating, do you have anything that you would say is good about it? I think
1: Lori Petty's effort is genuine.
0: Well, but but I was thinking of something just more specific to where you can say, well, at least this scene worked for me. No.
1: (laughs) (laughs) No. No. Uh, Yeah, and it's weird. Usually we have that with these low-rated movies. Um, And sometimes, you know, we come out on the other end and obviously by the time you listen to this, we will have done... uh, we will have put out and published uh, American Hustle. So you can see, we also think movies that are in the high 90s are shit also. So it's obviously in the, the eye of the beholder, as they say. But with this one, it's just, like I said, and I'll say it again, its biggest failing is that it's just a boring fucking movie.
0: Yeah, I can't think of anything I I truly like. that, that It's something very specific. The closest I can come up with is it made me want to watch Naomi Watson, a good movie. <laughs> You know, mean she's she's. I know she's a good actress, and so I was feeling so bad for her throughout this movie, and I just wanted to remind myself, well, she's had some good times. (laughs) She she had some good times in the future.
1: You you need Mulholland Drive as a a palate cleanser after that.
0: Probably just watch Birdman, which you haven't seen. I still haven't seen Birdman. She's in it. Uh, She's great. She's she's always good. I've never not liked her.
1: She was good in um, I don't remember the name of it. The Leave Schreiber.
0: Wolverine Origins.
1: No, fuck off. <laughs> ah, fuck. What is that guy's name? Chuck Webner. What was the name of that movie? Chuck? Was that the, the Oh, name fuck,
0: of it? the one that we just watched uh, at the Regal, yeah. right? She was in it, right? I forgot.
1: Yeah, she was the the bartender. I keep thinking
0: interest. of uh, uh, Elizabeth Moss because she was his she wife. Was. But yeah, yeah, she's she's always good.
1: I can't. Was it Chuck? I think it's Chuck. Okay, yeah. Good night, <laughs> <laughs> all right. Let's bring it home. We've talked about Tank Girl way more than any sane two people should
0: um i I said on on Twitter that we were going to announce our summer project yes here. I was so I'm trying to decide like do we do it in two parts where we we announce the idea here and then in the next episode we announce the lineup or do it all together?
1: uh I think we should announce the project and then so we can nail down you know what's going to air when so we can just do the whole rundown of episodes that people can expect in the next episode. In the next so, episode. Okay. So this has been a long time coming in <laughs> development and Julio's, <laughs> I saw his apartment, uh, you know, many pictures of, uh, coffee and lots of <laughs> cigarettes smoked. He was, he was up many a night putting together this project. So w- what are we going to be doing this summer, Julio? Uh,
0: so this summer, which is still two episodes away, we mm-hmm. decided it's going to start in May, but we have this summer long project, uh, which honestly, it was born out of Alex's idea, uh, um, when he one time he said, "Well, we should do the highs and lows of Travolta," which reminded me that once upon a time I had looked at his filmography, I guess trying to find a Travolta movie for us to do, and it's almost like every movie would qualify.
1: It's a roller coaster, baby. Yeah,
0: exactly. So, uh, so we're gonna have the summer of Travolta here in the Contrarians. You're gonna get God bless. so much Travolta <laughs> all throughout the summer. Uh, and I would say you're gonna get sick of Travolta by the end of the summer, but that's impossible. Who
1: can get sick of John Travolta? No,
0: especially when you have so many, so many facets of his career. He's worked with so many directors. He's been in some really good movies, some really bad movies. Uh, and and of course we're going off the Rotten Tomatoes, mm-hmm. uh, scores, which means that there may be some good movies that have shit ratings and some really. Bad movies that have been beloved by the public. We even have uh, this will run through our uh, 60th episode. It'll be like right in the middle of this. So we also have a gray area episode, and there's plenty to choose from in Travolta's career. So uh, his
1: filmography is the gift that keeps giving. Right.
0: And we're not going to go in chronological order because no. it'd be harder to make them line up with our, our positive, negative alternate thing. So instead, we're just going to go back and forth. It's gonna be like I told you in our Weaving
1: text, In seamlessly.
0: Yes. It's going to be like the, the Dr. Manhattan origin sequence in Watchmen where you just go back and forth in time. Only
1: way more wiener. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Have we seen Travolta Wiener in any of the movies?
1: No. Who shows their wiener in Pulp Fiction? Bruce Willis. Bruce
0: Willis. Yeah. Uh yeah, it, it will be it will be interesting because I I figure it will hit at least one Travolta movie you haven't seen and it will hit one that I haven't seen. Um mm-hmm. uh, I don't know that we'll ever hit one that neither of us has seen because I mean we're
1: I've never seen Phenomenon. I've seen it. Okay. Michael? I've seen it. I've seen that too. <laughs> uh,
0: Why didn't you even bring it up if you've seen it? <laughs>
1: oh it's got Andy McDowell in it. Yes. <laughs> Malcolm McDowell's daughter <laughs> brings it around full circle.
0: <laughs> uh but anyway, our next episode, you you will get the full lineup. Uh, so you can start boning up on your Travolta if you haven't already. I'll be surprised if most people haven't seen the movies we're going to watch. Uh, he is that kind of guy. I mean, I don't think we'll go super obscure with no. his titles. I don't uh, know if we can. Right. Yeah. Yeah, that's the thing.
1: Uh, So that's coming your way this summer Um, for the episode following this.
0: It's fantastic, Mr. Fox.
1: Wes Anderson finally graces our podcast at long last. Um outside of that of course we've got plugs Julio I'd have nothing this week. What? I've just been playing Friday the 13th a lot.
0: You already plugged that.
1: I know twice.
0: Did you get the the
1: The Jason X map has not dropped but they did drop uh surprisingly the Pinehurst map which is the map from uh that's the setting of Friday the 13th part 5 where it's not actually Jason that's doing the killing. It's a crazy ambulance driver Roy.
0: Did who... they did they drop that guy too? Mhm. Really? You yeah. can play as as not Jason? Mhm. As if if he was Jason.
1: Yeah, well, like in the movie, he wears the hockey mask and like the jumpsuit and everything. It's just you don't learn until the end. He's just this guy that went crazy. Uh, It's it's terrible. It's a very (laughs) bad movie. Uh, It's.
0: I mean, it was on your bad endings list.
1: It it was. That's right.
0: Uh, Well, I mean, you are watching Breaking Bad.
1: Yes, but I'm keeping that away from all facets of (laughs) online just to make sure that there's nothing spoiled. I just started the fourth season. Uh, it's obviously amazing, but we'll have a full okay discussion, we'll have
0: a full yeah. a special Contrarians TV episode.
1: Yeah, when when I finish that. So, Julio, what you got for us?
0: Um, I got two things. I watched a movie called Marwin Cole, which you might have heard of. It's it's kind of a oh, Marvin Cole's great. You've seen it, yeah. Okay, isn't that awesome? Yeah, <laughs> isn't it was uh uh I knew about it. I'd heard about it, so I knew kind of what it was about. This guy with a head injury who finds a sort of therapy by recreating. I thought it was recreating his life in a, this sort of mm-hmm. made up town. And then once I watched the movie, I realized that, Oh no, he's So he's using these action figures to build a scale down imaginary town. And it's not like he's recreating his past life. It's more like he's created this world where he can, uh, I guess vent his frustrations. <laughs> Live vicariously. Live like vicar- Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Because what happened to him is he, he was at a bar and he got beaten up by these guys, creating the brain injury that mm-hmm. basically made him forget everything. And uh, and so when he's reading, when he's playing, you know, in his town, when he's what he does is he creates storylines in this fictional town that he's created, and he takes pictures of the action figures and then tells stories mm-hmm. through that. It's pretty, it's pretty amazing. It's pretty good work. And then, but the stories always have. These really disturbing ties ties with the real life violence or real life issues that he's facing in life yeah. or he's facing life. So it's it's a very it's a fascinating. It's rough, but it's really heartbreaking. Well yeah. yeah, look at this guy's psyche, and uh, I don't know it's just so complex. The portrayal mm-hmm. of this guy, <laughs> uh, I really I loved it. It's a great documentary, uh, and it's been out for a while. I just yeah, yeah, I remember yeah. people telling me about it.
1: Friend of the podcast, Brandon Curtis, loves that movie. He's the one who recommended it to me. Really. Mm-hmm
0: reminds me reminds him of that time he also got a brain injury when uh, he got beaten up <laughs> yeah. all those bar fights he's been in yeah he was he spoiled some tv show to someone and, <laughs> <laughs> and then the other thing is uh i have i have another podcast to plug mm-hmm. i'm uh, i've been doing a lot of podcast listening and uh this podcast is called bears on film mm-hmm. right so what's your when i say bears on film what do you think
1: uh big gentleman with beards reviewing films
0: well that's exactly what it is oh. but of course i i thought well first i thought it was a podcast about actual bears on film like it's it's reviewing movies about, about bears. bears you know like grizzly bear and maybe the jungle book and you know i don't know bear aficionados uh and then i was like okay so it's not that then is it like two gay guys review movies i mean, like they're they're their hook is that they're bears. Mm-hmm. I was like, okay, that's cool. Are they reviewing like actual, like bear gay guys in movies. Cause that's definitely niche. Mm-hmm. Uh, but no, it turns out it's just like two bearded guys reviewing movies and, uh, they're fun guys. They just review movies. Uh, they're in Australia. So they, uh, nice. They're Chaz's neighbors actually. <laughs> and, uh, the only three people that live in Australia. <laughs> yeah. And they, they all know us. Um, and they, it's fun because they get movies that we've seen. They're just getting them as new releases, mm-hmm. so it feels nice to be on the on the high side of a curve. <laughs> you know, it's like, oh, they're just now getting, let's say, Molly's Game, or they're getting, uh, you know, a lot of the mm-hmm. Oscar nominated movies. I always feel like I'm behind on the conversation because I haven't had time to watch them, and yet here are these guys that are. No, they're even further behind than I am because they they don't even have access to them.
1: Builds up your confidence.
0: Yeah, I'm like, <laughs> a- America, fuck yeah. <laughs> uh but anyway they're great guys actually one of them uh just joked that if we ever wanted to have bears uh as guests on the podcast that we could just give them a shout out i was like you know what we just figured out how to skype with chat so it might just work that might be a reality yeah but yeah they're, they're a lot of fun they're uh and they're shorter episodes than ours you know it's like 30 minutes 37 minutes nice yeah it's it's an easy listen so that is my official plug
1: uh the concurrent plug Festive Years, our opening track, last stand and our closing track Summer 99 from the album Don't Let Me Use You. Um outside of that, all our usual shit is on the uh bumpers. Uh questions, comments, concerns, complaints, we are the contrarians at gmail.com. We got anything else?
0: No, that's just you know, the address the email address is we are the contrarians, not uh it, it always I always fear that people are gonna think that we're saying we are. TheContrarians at Gmail.com. Oh,
1: yeah, no. It's we are the contrarians at Gmail.com.
0: I wonder how many emails the person that has the contrarians at gmail.com has gotten.
1: These pretentious assholes.
0: I haven't even watched Tank Girl. What are they talking about?
1: <laughs> all right. Well, with that all being said, we do appreciate y'all listening as always. Um you have anything else to add before we go, Julio?
0: Nope. That no. that's it. Uh, all right.
1: just goodbye and good night. That was Tank Girl. We will never speak of it again.
0: Goodbye. Get in the car, I'll grab the keys. Let's go make this summer one that's full of memories.
1: Um, <laughs> he is he's getting whipped and he's just like picking oh, his teeth no selling. I, I,
0: I remember I, I watched that movie in theaters and then I watched it again when it came out in, in home video
1: and they like when the uh, bison henchman leaves Balrog's like man you okay and he says something like uh, I'm Samoan brother you know I'm on a beach right now in my head it's it's phenomenal
0: uh, but yeah uh, so, Tan Girl, even, even though... December
1: 23rd, 1994 was Street Fighter's release. God, okay, God so it... bless that movie for having the fucking temerity to come out as a Christmas release.
0: It was a Christmas present for video gamers everywhere.
1: Oh, God. 15%. That's a future episode right there. Yes. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I, I you will, heard it here first. I will <laughs>
1: save all my thoughts on the Street Fighter movie.
0: Uh, all your impressions of Van Damme.
1: Oh, dude. Yeah. I'm it... going to kick that son of a bitch bison's ass so oared.